from wherever you've been come broken hearted let rescue begin come find your mercy for sinner come near earth has no sorrow and heaven can heal earth has no sorrow and heaven can heal so lay down your You, O oh Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O oh Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. You give light, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. 
you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. God and King. I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name. For great is the Lord. Amen. And greatly to be praised. Please be seated. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. Those of you who are here with us in the building, especially those of you who are not yet able to be with us but are watching online, we are grateful for all of you that you're here. We need each other. Amen. These are challenging times, and we need each other. And I'm so grateful that God is not bound by time or by space, and that we can unite across the city, across the country, in a couple cases across the world, around our worship of our Lord together. So delighted that you're here. Would you do me a favor as we begin? Would you um, pull out your phones and, and text your name to uh, area code 812-457-9509. 
If you would, 812-457-9509. I want to see if we can crash our internet here by ever doing it at once. But it's so helpful to us as we, especially in these challenging times, keep track of one another and minister to one another. So thank you for doing that. If there's some way that we can serve you, we'd greatly desire to do that. So just um, add that to the note. Just let us know what's going on in your life, in your family's life, how we can pray for you. I want to just say while you're doing that, that uh, these are really interesting times. And, and I think the, the challenge of COVID, among many other things, is, is actually causing uh, to rise to the surface different challenges. So if you feel like uh, you're overwhelmed at times, if you feel like you're in a dark hole and getting deeper and deeper, know that you're not alone and, and that God understands your needs and he hears your cry. So grateful that as we begin, thank you worship team for leading us. We, we begin our worship like we begin our private worship praise, just focusing on who God is. The one thing that never changes is the Lord God, his nature and his character. And as we tap into that, then we find help in our time of need as well. Well, hey, happy Grandparents Day to you. Um, we are delighted to be able to rejoice and share in the blessings. All of us are either a grandchild or a grandparent, and so it's a great opportunity just to uh, not take any of that for granted, right? And to, um, and to love on one another on this special day. Um, a couple things going on in the life of our church. Um, Riley, how are you doing? You doing all right, my friend? Um, we are so grateful for God for answering prayer. I know that, um, is it tomorrow that you'll begin? A week from tomorrow? A week from tomorrow that you begin your treatments again, and we are just, um, just believing with you. God's grace is sufficient, and, and he's going to provide for you. Amen, congregation? Um, if you didn't get a chance, uh, just a prayer reminder to grab a Riley Strong bracelet. Uh, they're in the Welcome Center, I think, downstairs as you go out today. And it's so helpful to me. Every time I look at my wrist, it reminds me to pray for you. And so we're just looking forward to seeing not only, I mean, what God is going to do in healing you, but in you and each one of you as, as you surrender to the Lord and receive his healing, the amazing thing that God's going to do through you in the, in the years to come and in the generations to come as well. So it's a privilege to pray for you, brother. Keep us posted, would you? If anything changes, just let us know. Um, we would love to be your prayer warriors during this time. Um, speaking of prayer, I mentioned to you last week that we're starting to draw very near to the... Um, to the election, and oh gosh, at least five or six different organizations nationally have all um, issued a call to prayer. And, and we, our elders and I just want to encourage you to, to engage in that as well. Um, the actual day, if I, if I counted right as I look back, would be uh, Friday, uh, September 25th would be the 40th day before the election. And what um, Kristen and I have been working on is a little prayer guide to help you think through not just the national issues, but, but um, the full spectrum of issues from our own families. We'll spend a week praying for our families. We'll, we'll pray for our city and all the different ways we're asking God to permeate this city. We'll pay, pray for our nation as we uh, come up to that election. And um, we know that, that there's not a political solution to, to the challenges we face as a culture that the divide goes right between, as Tozer said, the, to the human hearts. But um, we're just going to believe as we unite together to pray together that God is going to hear and honor and transform us into his instruments to be a part of his solution. So next week, um, you, you'll see that we're starting to filter back in different, different um, things that we remove during the, the midst of the crisis. If you are comfortable... And, and no shame if you're not. If you're not, if you're comfortable, Kristen very carefully prepares a bulletin for us, and uh, and those will be available out there. We're not going to pass them out. We're not going to. Uh, we're just going to let you pick one up as you walk by. Also, we um, you'll notice oftentimes that we have notes out there for you as well. If you picked up a bulletin today, they're already in your notes. Um, but if it's helpful as we 
as we study God's word, then we invite you to drink deep of those tools and those resources that are available to you. Don't forget, many of our groups, if not most of our groups, are re-engaged and meeting. And so if you are looking for a place to be, uh, you can be with other women if you're a woman or other men or in a mixed group. Um, there's, there's at least six or seven opportunities for you on a weekly basis to be with other people. Some of them are in person. Most of them are still online, but, um, but we just believe that God does something when two or more gather together. We just really encourage you to do that. By the way, one of those opportunities is at 10.30. And if the preacher will get done on time today, you'll have plenty of time to get home and get uh, online if you would like to join the adult opportunities happening at 10.30 today. So uh, just one last um, invitation um, we really believe that, that uh, God transforms us as we come into his presence. In the last few weeks, we've been, we've been asking ourselves, um, what is going on? Um, how have we so lost our bearings as a culture that we don't recognize very simple and obvious truths? And as a result, we've gone back together to the word of God. We we went to the very beginning, and we've been sailing through this. It always kills me to go this fast through God's word, but why don't you see that right there in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is, is a very real picture of what we're experiencing right now, but also very real solutions. So as we come to worship today, let's... let's um, Let's open our hearts and minds to the, the spoken word. Let's, let's renew our commitment to the authority of the written word. And let's look especially to the living word, Jesus Christ, in our time of need. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much uh, for the privilege of partnering with you. From the very beginning, God, you created men and women, to represent you, a visible manifestation of the invisible God to the world. God, we confess that in many situations and and times, God, we have um, neglected that holy calling. In, In many situations like Eve and Adam, we saw something that delighted our eyes. We, we craved something that, that, that we couldn't have, and, and we made choices, God, that have caused separation between ourselves and you especially. But God, I thank you that, that the story is not finished. I thank you that, as we'll see um, through this Christmas and into next year, God, you we're aware of everything, God, that we're facing. And you already made provisions before we were ever aware through your son, Jesus. So we just ask, God, as we come together in Jesus' name, would you forgive us our sins? For they are many. God, I'm so grateful that you are so gracious. And, and you only reveal to us our brokenness Little by little, God, you, you humble us and call, cause us to, to fall to our knees before you and seek your face. God, as we come before you today, we claim the promise that if we will confess our sin, if we'll simply agree with you, God, that what we have said and what we have done And what has been done to us in many cases is wrong, God. If we'll just agree with you, you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, we step into that reality today, that you are a God who is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And to that God, we cry out together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness. Life sometimes just drives us absolutely to our knees. Absolutely to our knees. But I'm not, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. As we fall to our knees, we recognize the, the greatness of a God who stands before us, ready to come to our aid. Let's continue in worship as we bow down before that great God, even now. Would you pull up that slide from the chorus? Can we just say those words together? You are all I need. It's your face I see. In the presence of your light, we bow down. We bow down. Oh God, I pray as we open your word that you would speak to us, speak into our situation, encourage us, Strengthen us, God, for the holy partnership to which you've invited us. God, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you open your Bibles um, to the very beginning again as we continue our study of Genesis? Uh, we are in Genesis chapter 3. Last week we focused especially, do you remember, we focused especially on the strategies of the evil one. And we reminded ourselves that, that Satan is not, is not God, and he's not particularly creative. The, the strategies that he used right there in the garden were the same strategies he used with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they were the same strategies that he uses in our lives as well. Do you remember? Do you remember? He challenges us. He causes us to question, did God really say that? And I have to tell you that this is a constant battle for me. I've been walking with the Lord for over four decades, but I still come across scriptures, and I, and I want so bad to be able to find some way to navigate around them. And, and so I, 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 I try to think, well, maybe that's not really what God meant, you know? And um, when right there before me is the stark reality of his call on my life. So he, he causes us to question, did God really say that? Both both 
what we would understand to be the restrictions that God put on us. Don't eat of that tree of knowledge and good and evil. But also the, the beautiful things that he says. You're my precious child whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And, and, and Satan said, did God really say that? Because if he really knew you, right? If he was really who he says he was, he couldn't possibly love you. Satan challenges us at the, at the word of God. Then last week we saw also that he challenges us in the character and nature of God, right? And we saw finally that he challenges us in the motivations of God. God is not really for you, Satan wants you to believe, right? Even though his word says it over and over again. Well, the reality is, is that God is here in this place wanting to speak to us right now. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, beginning. We're going to go back and pick up a little of last week so we get the context, and then we'll continue into our lesson for today. Beginning at verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. (laughs) Even as I read those words, I know that Satan's tempting you. Did that really happen? Did God really say that? Yes. Yes, it did. Continuing in verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? That's where we ended last week, this poignant cry. Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Does that sound familiar? Because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Note the little footnote right there. But he said, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground out of which you were taken. For you are dust, you are Adama, right? And to Adama you shall return, to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, 
And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, angels, with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life, the very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Well, um, we saw last week that Satan's great desire is to cause rift, cause division between you and, and the Lord. And the way that he does that is by disobedience, causing you to doubt and then ultimately to disobey. Something so clear in, in the very beginning right here, the simple, the one thing that God asked him not to do, Adam and Eve ended up doing because of the strategies of the evil one. Today I want to I want to um, shift gears a little bit and and look at the consequences of that. Right? Look at the consequences of that. Um, uh, even as I say those words, the countless scriptures are coming to my mind about the the breadth and and the magnitude of the consequences, not only of their choice, but of the choices that that we make. There are consequences, right, for the choices we make. I love the way Paul put it in in Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked, right? For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And the one who sows to his own flesh... Remember last week, the, the cravings of our sinful nature, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. The one who sows to those things will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. So there are consequences. There are there are specific consequences for specific sin, right? Right here, I'm going to move pretty fast, even though each one of them is worthy of spending time on. There's consequences specifically for the serpent, right? Cursed, cursed above all livestock and beasts of the field. You might, if you have notes there, put parentheses around beasts of the field. A lot of confusion has come and people have denigrated the word of God because they did not understand that God differentiates between the beasts of the field and the other animals. But, but the, to the serpent, he said, cursed are you above all livestock and beasts of the field. You shall eat dust all the days of your life. There shall be enmity, right? There's going to be a struggle between you and the woman and between your offspring and her. He shall bruise your heel, and you shall bruise his head, right? So there's phenomenal consequences for the serpent. Now, now does God have a struggle here with snakes or something? I know a lot of us do. Um, does God have? No, we learned last week in Revelation chapter 12, where the solution to our spiritual warfare was found, was also the identity of what's really going on here. We're not just talking about a snake of the ground. This snake was, was speaking on behalf of Satan, right? This serpent was speaking on behalf of, serp, of, of Satan, the great adversary. We saw in Revelation 12, 9, the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. There's no confusion about what's going on right here. The spiritual warfare that began before even creation is, is continuing through God's creation. So there's very specific consequences for the serpent and for Satan. But there's also, there's also consequences for the woman here, right? You shall have pain in childbirth. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. I, I like to say, to identify with my wife, when we had children, right? But let's make no mistake, right? We didn't have children. I benefited from it, but my wife went through that process, which is still, I know, there's that temptation again. I can see it and I can feel it, right? There's that temptation again. This sounds just like a story, 
But God said that's a very real consequence of the woman's action in dishonoring him, right? By the way, that, that pain didn't stop at childbirth, did it? It's so hard when you see your children going through things. When, when you see your children sometimes making decisions that are going to cause suffering, oftentimes you see them suffering and you want so much, right? That pain didn't go away when, when you held the child in your arms. You hold that child in your heart the rest of your life. And so, so it's a very real consequence, the word of God says, of our sin. But look also here. There's the loss of the partner relationship with her husband, right? It's interesting here, and I won't go into it today, but, but right here, ESV uh, translates this different than most every other version of the Bible. And it's because of a literalist point of view um, in the ESV. The ESV says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. I kind of like the, ESV, the NIV better because it says your desire shall be for your husband, right? But he shall rule over against you. And it's one of those weird places where a word can mean two things at the same time. ESV translates it one way. Um, NIV and most other translations translate it the other way. But um, we saw a couple of weeks ago, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That word in English, cleave, can mean either cause separation or it can mean attachment. Isn't that crazy? The same word that happens right here in Hebrew. So um, the idea, though, is that the, the relationship that you desire has been spoiled by sin. And the consequences of that are, are huge, are huge, right? The consequences of that are huge. In Genesis 4, 7, we see a very similar phrase. This is when Cain uh, is, uh, Abel is, is um, in competition with Cain, and Cain is thinking uh, about what is he going to do because uh, Abel's offering was acceptable. Cain's was rejected by the Lord. The Lord speaks directly to this one who's so vulnerable right then to sin and says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And look at this. This is Genesis, this is one chapter later. Its desire is contrary to you, right? But you shall rule over it. The picture, the picture uh, is, is of a lion crouching. James picks up on this later. A lion crouching, waiting to devour, right? And since this moment in, in the garden, since this time, Sin within each of us and our husband and wife relationships has been crouching, wanting so much to, to pounce and, and to dominate the other person, right? To, to maybe out of pain, maybe out of, of sorrow, um, but out of that emotion to, to exert power over the other person. And as a result, the, the essence of sin is self Righteousness, all the selves, right? Self-exaltation. First in our relationship with God and then in our relationship with each other. So there's just huge consequences, huge consequences for Eve as a result of her sin. But there's also, there's also huge consequences. I'm going to mention this and we'll come back to it. For creation itself, right? Cursed is the ground because of you. Genesis 3.17. Cursed is the ground because of you. And because of human sin, creation suffers, right? I don't know what your perspective is on, on the inferno going on in, on the West Coast. I think it's finally just calming down. There's going to be a little bit of rain going on, on the West Coast. But three states have been on fire for the last week. They've been experiencing all kinds of things. Some people are quick to point out... Um, human error, but, but Genesis does that before then, right? That we're going to struggle in our relationship with creation because of our sin, right? Creation has consequences. But then 
also for Adam, for the man. In pain you shall eat of this cursed ground all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles that shall bear forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You can remember those poignant words at a funeral. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, right? Through pain, right? Through pain and, and sweat, you shall cultivate the cursed grounds, right? And you shall eat the plants. I want you to note this, of the field, right? Of the field. No longer was Adam able to just eat the fruit that naturally was the result of the garden. Um, now, if he didn't toil, if he didn't sweat, it would not happen. So there are very real and practical, uh, specific consequences for sin. And, and, and that's true today. Uh, we we uh, live in now an era of grace and not law, right? We know that Jesus Christ has come and paid the consequences for our sin, right? Now, no longer do we have to be separate from God. No longer do we have to be separate from one another. But, but, but the reality is there's still consequences, right? And those consequences are passed down from generation to generation, from third and fourth generation. So there's very specific um, consequences, but, but there's also um, powerful consequences that go beyond uh, each of our responses, right? What, what are the ultimate consequences? First of all, our relationship with ourselves, with ourselves. I, I um, am blessed with, a, with an ability to um, not condemn um, people that have um, experienced um, sin, Chosen sin, I'm, I'm, I, I, part of it is because I know my own sin, but but a, a big part of it as well is that uh, I know that I am my own worst enemy. I am my own greatest judge. I know what Adam and Eve felt and experienced in the garden, right? And when they disobeyed God, their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and and the rest of their lives, they had to live with that ultimate consequence, that that they no longer trusted themselves, right? But maybe more importantly than that, the, the, the ultimate consequences here are that they also suffered in their relationship with God. So poignant, as we saw last week, they heard the sound of God, in, in the garden, right? And the man and his wife hid themselves, right? God was still in the garden with them, but they hid themselves from him. When we, when we choose to sin, there is a consequence in our relationship with God as well. A consequence, by the way, that we cannot overcome. Only, only he can. But beyond our relationship with ourselves and even our relationship with God, our relationship with other people suffers as well. I, this is the fifth time I've preached on this passage this week. Um, I, I do three services at a, at a, four services actually, at a nursing home. And, and, um, and I can picture Gladys, who's about 95 years old, and Gladys jumped in there when we were looking at this passage and and Gladys said, look what they did. Look at the blame shifting that happened. I said, Gladys, you're exactly right, right? You're exactly right. Our relationship with other people suffers as well. I know you, you see it, but the first thing, you know, what, have, what have you done? Oh, this woman, this woman you gave me, God. Adam points to the woman. Note, by the way, and then if I could, I meant to say this last week and didn't. Even though Eve was the one who first partook of it, we saw that Adam was right there with him. But note, man, that God comes to the man. God comes to the man and, and challenges the man, what have you done, Alan? Uh, excuse me, Adam? And, 
And, and I, I believe that there's a, there's a principle that Paul elucidates later in the New Testament that God is going to hold us accountable, men. God is going to hold us accountable for our families. And, and he comes first to this Adam and says, what have you done? Because the ramifications, Adam, of, 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 of your sin against me, I told you, and the ramifications of your sin against me are going to affect generations that come after you. We saw that, that um, Adam experienced, excuse me, uh, we experienced the ultimate consequence of separation from one another as well. I can, I can almost hear Adam's voice, but if anyone deserves to die, right? She does, right? Tender-hearted, loving, chivalrous husband. When the heart is in rebellion against God and, and is therefore taken up with self-justification, right? Other people turn into, into objects for us, right? All human relationships with ourselves, with God, with other people are corrupted by the fall. And the misery that has resulted is, is untold, is untold. So, so our relationship with ourselves, with God, with other people uh, has, been, has been disrupted. But I want, I want to note right here, I want you to note again, I know you know this, but, but there was another tree in the garden, right? There was another tree. And, and we'll see this Christmas, and then we'll see into the new year that that tree has amazing ramifications. We're going to see that through Jesus Christ, we get another shot at that tree. That tree was the tree of life. And the ultimate consequence of Adam and Eve choosing to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is that they sacrifice life. God's word was true. Oh, Satan thought he was so clever, right? Watch this. You're going you're to sin and you're not going to die. And, and Adam and Eve did, and they physically didn't die at that moment, right? But they died inside, and they condemned their bodies to death as well. Um, God banished them from that garden. Why? Because there was another tree in that garden. And, and as a favorite author, a couple of ours, um, writes, we live between those two trees, right? Between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and between the tree of life. The good news, beloved, is that we're going to get to that tree of life. But the way to that tree of life now is not through the garden but now it's through another tree and the man who is hung on that tree. We'll see that this Christmas. So, so where do we go from here? What does this mean for us? I've challenged you today to not um, uh, be afraid of standing on the word of God, of believing that these very things that God's word says happened did happen and that the ramifications of them still Happen. Satan's greatest desire would be to get us to believe that these things no longer affect us, but they do, right? So what can we do? It was so helpful to me. Now, I'm thinking about me. When, when we, when we um, study a passage together, um, I didn't bring it with me, but, but I, I um, start by doing a simple soap study. I look at the scripture, I, I make observations about it, I say, if I believe this to be true, what how would I need to apply to my life? And then I write a prayer in a journal about that. And, and, and as I was studying this passage, I said, what, where do I go from here? I believe these things to be true, but I'm still, uh, I still find myself in the same place where, like Adam and Eve, I'm tempted, right? And, and, and so I, I realized just by highlighting in my Bible the, the questions that God asked, that he was inviting me to a path of redemption. I'm not going to tie it up in a nice bow today because I want us to wrestle with the consequences of sin. I probably err on the side of being too quick to get to a grace solution, right? Like, like we try and protect our children from the consequences of their actions, and sometimes we're too quick. Sometimes they don't feel the magnitude of it, and as a result, they... They uh, exploit grace rather than 
enjoy grace. But as I looked at the four questions and asked them of myself, I found a path of life even in the midst of the desert east of Eden. What were those questions? You've heard one of them several times already. Where are you? Where are you today? Are you, are you in intimate relationship with the living God that he paid so dear a price in order for you to experience? Or, like Adam and Eve, are you, are you hiding from him, right? Are you thinking all kinds of logical arguments why he must not exist? Not because you don't believe he exists, but because you're afraid to come before him and own your brokenness. The Lord God said to man, where are you? I want to say a word of hope that I'll come back to in just a moment. If you are there, if you are hiding, if you're overwhelmed by the messages of the world and your own flesh and the evil one, I hearken back to an earlier scripture in the same series that we pointed out. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, right? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Where are you? Where are you today? But God continues us down this path by asking another question. In in our scripture, the Lord God said, who told you you were naked, right? I want to to change that question just slightly. I hope it's justified. You push back if it's not. Really, he's saying, who have you been listening to? Who have you been listening to? I've shared with you before that when I I go home, um, I haven't been that for a while now, when I go home, I um, am tossed into a different world, um, world of Southern California, um, where all kinds of other influences are going on. And, and I've shared with you that I can, I can tell who my family members have been listening to, or what station they've been watching, or what news source they use for their news by the comments that they say, right? It's that, it's that obvious. But, but God says the real problem is not Fox News or CNN, right, or NPR or those things. By the way, I don't trust any of those news sources. So I trust the Internet. The Internet never lies. <laughs> no, no, gosh. Um, no, I, I, I'm going to go back to the Word of God, which is just as relevant today as it was 4,000-plus years ago. When these events happened, right? Wow, who have you been listening to? Who, who's speaking lies into your life? Compare everything, beloved, with the word of God and stand on that truth. The third question that he asks is, have you done what God told you not to do? And I was really tempted in, to save time and to skip this question, right? But I think that there's, there's something beautiful that happens when we own up to our sin, right? Uh, When we say a simple yes or no. Have you done what I commanded you not to do? I'm not trying to to, um, cast judgment on you. This is a simple question from God to me. It's a simple question from God to you that has a simple answer, yes or no. And I believe that there's redemption in that answer. I believe that when you take that first step of honesty with God, that God honors that. He honors that, and you've begun that that path to healing and reconciliation. Yes, God. Yes, I did what you asked me not to do. And he asks a fourth question. It's just as important, right? Just as important. What is this you have done? Oh, God, you're not going to make me say it out loud to you, are you? Yes. Yes, I am, right? Oh, 
God, I'm a quick learner, and I, I saw in our scripture today that I can blame shift. I can pass it on to other people. Yeah, you can, Dave, right? There's always someone who you can put that blame on. But my question is not, what have they done? My question is, what is this you have done? And beloved, freedom comes in naming it. In, I'm gonna, I stumbled, I'll explain why in just a second. There's a beauty that comes when you confess your sin, right? When you say it, when you say it, right? One of my favorite experiences that we do on a, on a regular basis around here is, is we write our sins. Do you remember that? On flash paper, and we nail them to the cross. Usually in the Lenten season as we're preparing for Easter, for, Easter, for the good news of Easter, and, and I, I just love that beautiful experience when my sins are absolutely consumed. But what I want to do after that, and what I've experienced many other people want to do, say, is when I see the, the, the visible expression that my sins have been removed as far as the east from the west, all of a sudden I want another piece of paper. All of a sudden I want to start writing things down. I want you to experience that. You don't need stinking flash paper, Right? Any time you can come to the Lord, you can say, but I've fallen short. This is what I've done. And when you agree with God that that is sin, then you open the door to the blood of Christ to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. So, so if we don't own our sin, right, and specifically our sin, then we don't own the, the magnitude and the destruction of that sin, then we'll never experience the beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of redemption either. You see, the strategy for humans, apparently, in general, we see in, in Genesis, but humanism, which is one of the greatest struggles that we're facing right now, Specifically, the strategy has always been to alleviate guilt and sin by denying that what we're doing is sin. Am I making this up? Right? You can go issue by issue and the issues facing our culture and, and the first strategy here is just to deny that it's wrong. Oh, we still have some standards, about two, as I can tell, right, left, that have not been sacrificed on the altar of our self-righteousness and our self-centeredness. And we still have some standards, but, but the, the reality right here is that what we're doing is justifying our lives by changing the definition of what is right and wrong. Worship team, would you come up if you would? I want to invite you again. Come up with a bang. That'd be great. Um, I want to invite you again. God didn't abandon you. Oh, it seemed like it. It seemed like he kicked us out of the garden. It seems like pain and sweat and blood and toil are, are the ways. And, and, and it's never enough. Our human effort is never enough. But as, as we submit ourselves to God, as we say, no longer am I going to live by the lies that the evil one is propagating through our culture and even through my own thought processes as I resist that evil one. I'm going to believe that he will flee. God, I'm going to choose to draw near. Oh, I want to go so much into that garden again. We're going to spend two more weeks focusing on the garden and our invitation. In this series, I want to go back into that garden. But the reality is, is I, have to, I have to walk the way of grace that God has provided for me. I have to go to a third tree, a cross on which my Savior was hung, to find freedom, to find grace, to find mercy in my time of need. What do you need? This morning, right? Are you like me? Are you, despite, despite years or decades of knowing God, 
Are you still finding yourself like the Apostle Paul um, saying the things that I don't do, I want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do? Wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this, this body of death? And he found the solution that he, um, thanks be to God, right, for Jesus Christ. What I need is a Savior. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that you did not abandon us east of Eden. Thank you that for millennia you have been crying out for those who would, who would risk believing you to be for us, for those who would risk believing that your word is true, for those who would risk believing that grace is greater than our sin. You've been crying out, oh God, thank you for Jesus. We need him now more than ever. Lord, we need you now. Would you meet us in this time? And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you.
What does God do when his children say that, right? What did you do when your children said, Mom, Dad, I need you, right? Oh, I'll be there in a little while, right? No. No. How much more? How much more does God pour out his mercy on grace to the one who's able to say, I need you, God. I know we're in the middle of the east of Eden right now. Um, Drink deep. Drink deep. Learn from this place. Next week, we'll continue the story. We'll We'll get to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you richly as you trust God's word, as you you refuse to uh, declare that it's not effective in your life, as you make a stand for what you know to be true. I just know generations are going to be blessed as a result. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and fellowship and communion of his Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen? Please be seated for just one more moment. Again, we're going to release you beginning with the back rows, and we invite you, uh, if you would, to make your way all the way down the stairs toward the gym. You can fellowship and talk there if you're comfortable. But um, God bless you this week. Don't forget, um, September 25th, we're going uh, to begin our 40 days of prayer. You don't need to wait till then, but we'll look forward to joining our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are praying for those 40 days. Peace of Christ be with you.